A walk, a journey, an experience of a lifetime. This week, we're back to learn more about the 88 Temples Pilgrimage, here on Supernatural Japan. Supernatural Japan, number eight, the 88 Temples Pilgrimage, part two. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to episode number eight of the Supernatural Japan podcast. My name is Kevin O'Shea, and I am your host. And this week, we have part two of our chat with Kevin Tarpey, all about his adventure as he moves forward in the 88 Temples pilgrimage. If this is your first time listening to the Supernatural Japan podcast here at episode number eight, I'm going to say stop right now and go back to episode seven. Please listen to episode seven first, and then come back here to episode number eight. That's the best way to do it. This is a part two, and to really kind of understand what's going on, you'll need to listen to episode number seven. So before we jump into this week's episode, thank you so much for all of you amazing people out there who have been listening to the Supernatural Japan podcast and supporting this show. Um, sorry about being a few days late with this episode, but sometimes... That's just what happens, and it's part of the nature of the podcasting beast, but here we are. Um, so last week, we chatted with Kevin Tarpey about his experience as he started the 88 uh, Temples Pilgrimage in Shikoku in Japan, and this week we continue. And last we heard, Kevin was um, about to use a walking stick as a defensive weapon. I wonder, what could this be all about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to do it all mm. in one go, as you know. Yeah. But even though Corona is still around COVID, Golden Week. Golden yeah. Week is the worst time to travel because everybody <laughs> in Japan seems to be traveling. Oh, yeah. So I decided to come back to Shimane. I didn't want to deal with the, because it's been so lovely. There's been so few of us pilgrims, and you, even people in general at these temples, Probably 90, 85% of the ones I visit, it's so serene and so peaceful because there's few people on the grounds of the temple. So I didn't want to have a week where that's been flipped on its head and now it's like being at a Disneyland with the, yeah. the crowds. You know, it just, it's kind of off putting, especially after having such lovely conditions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm currently home in Shimane for Golden Week and tomorrow. I'm heading back down. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're heading back. Well, you know, I, I know I've been we've been having a great talk, but I mean, there's something you alluded to earlier, and and I I do want to get a, a few uh, more stories. But you you had mentioned something about a, a walking stick and it being a, yeah. a a potentially good defensive weapon, not just something, not just a souvenir. Um, let, let well, us again, know it's, in Japanese. It's called the Kongo Zue. I've started calling it my Kukai stick because that's who it's supposed to represent affectionately I call it my kukai stick so one day i was walking along the coast of kochi again i don't know if this is even considered the official route i think it was one of those days where it's like that coastal road it's got promise i i envision mm -hmm. sea vistas cliffs descending down to the ocean waves crashing into those cliffs i think i'm gonna take this so at one point, sure enough, I was right. It was lovely, beautiful views. There was even observation pull-offs for the few cars that drive on this road. And I stopped at one of them for lunch. 
And along some, some of these like locations, I noticed there's a lot of feral cats, Okay. Uh, particularly in Kochi Prefecture. So I take out, I think I had gone to a bakery the day before. So I had like one of those bacon cheese baked sandwich thingies. And uh, I'm eating that. And I'm keeping an eye on the cats kind of scrounging around, making sure they're not going to make a run for the other food I've got on the rock I'm sitting at. And I'm eating this thing. All of a sudden, I feel a swoosh of air and hear like a whoosh. And I kind of jerk away. And sure enough, it's a, a, a Toby, a black kite. Ah. One of those large birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And swoop down to try to swipe my yeah. bacon and cheese baked good thingy. <laughs> so it goes back up and it's now circling probably five eight meters above my head that's a big that's a big bird um and i take my stick i start shouting swinging it um it swooped down one or two more times and i kind of swung and uh, (laughs) eventually it flew away stick i'm thinking it saved me that's it and then maybe about two three minutes later i hear that distinctive kind of it's like kind of like a horse whinnying (laughs) the black kite cry yeah i heard it and i was like oh no it's back and i look up oh not only is it back it's brought three two or three friends with them so i just kind of wolf down the rest of that sandwich i was like you guys win i'm i'm out of here i'm nice you know black black kites on a side note, the black kite was my spark bird that got me into birding, by the way. That was the oh, bird. I love them. That was a bird that got me when I first moved to Japan. I grew up with two birds. Well, I did love them. <laughs> Until they tried to steal your <laughs> bacon sandwich. Well, I, I love them around here, but, but they, uh, they're so, I don't want to say skittish, but they don't allow me to get too close to them. Yeah, yeah, skittish is probably here. A, they're, so they're safe. funny. Yeah, I think it depends on, like, I I can remember years ago, because, again, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I'd worked in Akashi, and right along, I mean, that's right on the water, right on the inland sea, and then across, you've got Awaji Island, and uh, I can remember seeing news stories, literally, like, evening news when I'd be at home, where, like, uh, those black kites, the Toby, were, like, viciously attacking picnickers and and people at the rest stops, the highway restaurants, uh, right by the water, and there's all these video clips showing like the Toby's flying down and like literally grabbing bento boxes and onigiri out of people's hands and flying off, you know, so they're, they're, they're opportunists. And, um, um, they Depends say that's one of the, where, yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons why they're such successful birds because, uh, they're not picky. They'll eat an onigiri. They'll yeah. eat a fish. Sure. <laughs> and I, I'm wondering too, if like, say the ones I'm seeing around here, the, the prey are so plentiful. They, it, they would have no need to I, and that's probably why that's probably why because i can remember actually uh, here we go guys it's bird time everyone super supernatural bird time but i can remember years ago being with my wife along the waterfront in kobe um by kobe gakwin university walking along this boardwalk and we stopped and stood and we were watching one of these black kites and by the way folks this is a large raptor it's it's a very big brown raptor um a lot of people mistake them as eagles um and we, wingspan. We, yeah, it's a huge <laughs> wingspan. And we watched this Toby fly down to the water and it reached out his talons, grabbed a fish, flew up in the sky about 20 meters and just dropped the fish into the water. And then it flew back down and grabbed another fish. And it was yeah. literally just playing. 
And it was like, okay, if, yeah. if, if practicing, you, if you can do this, if you can afford to practice with your time, you apparently it's pretty easy to fill that belly. So maybe yeah. that's what's going on with the, 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 uh, the black kites in your neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. And again, like I was saying, this particular location, dramatic cliffs, steep cliffs dropping down to the ocean, the waves are the, the, um, it was quite turbulent. So I don't know if that maybe limited, um, you know, thick forest, the rest of, you know, it's not easy hunting in a thick forest. Whereas where I live, it's tons of the tambo, the rice fields. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you Lots know, of frogs and things to catch. Exactly. And, and much better visibility. Whereas in where um, you were in Kochi, they have to rely on bacon sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> I should have probably left an offering. That's probably what Kukai would have done. Yeah. Leave it on the rock and um, get walking. I, I was wondering, have you had any other interesting uh, encounters, tales, things you've... Well, um, the Osetai has been quite um, interesting. What and is Osetai? One in particular, again, Osetai is the gift-giving ah, kind okay, of... Ah, okay, okay, okay. Um, and one in particular, um, there's a stretch in Kochi where I think it's the second longest stretch in between temples. You're walking down to Moroto Cape and that particular stretch is kind of notorious or infamous in the Henro community because there's very little infrastructure till you get to the tip of that cape where the next temple is. Okay. Um, even in Japan, a land renowned for vending machines. At one point, I in walked convenience by stores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in convenience stores. There's no convenience stores. Uh, along this 30 kilometer, maybe one, you know, but oh my God, this is Enoch. One vending, one vending machine. Somebody put up a sign just so you know, the next one is not for 10 kilometers. Oh my God. It's, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like in the, in America going through the desert and seeing one of those gas stations. That's like your yeah. last chance for gas. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I did have a, I, I think I had had a coffee about two hours before. I was like, well, I might as well have another one. I don't know. What if I never make it to the next vending machine? This might be my last chance. <laughs> um, so there's very little infrastructure. But at the same time, you're on this coastal road. Um, again, to your right, like these forested hills or cliffs. And to your left is just ocean, the Pacific Ocean. Um, and the waves there, maybe because some kind of current or the local tide. Oh, I felt like a kid just washing. I'd be waiting for certain waves like, oh, this one's going to be good. This one's going to really crash into the rocks and just watching the surf um, explode. But anyways, I'm walking along. I probably, I'm probably about 30 minutes to an hour into that desolate stretch. And I decided rather than typically I'll walk on the side where the traffic is coming towards me, because at least you can see the cars coming. Um, I walked on the other side so I could be right by the ocean. I wanted to be close to the ocean as possible. And at one point, I hear the very loud squeak of a truck braking um, behind me. So I thought maybe it was a guy telling me, you're on the wrong side of the road. It's dangerous. You should um, get on the other side. But no, um, the guy, the truck driver got out of the truck. He, he said, oh, Henro-san, you know, Mr. Pilgrim, uh, this is for you. And he had a plastic bag. And inside were two rice balls, uh, a bottle of water two chocolate nut snacks and maybe 20 of those small hard candies. It was Osetai. 
And um, wow. he gets back. But the crazy thing is, he gets back in the truck and immediately pulls into a pull-off and turns around and goes back in the direction he came. So what that means is, I, I realized, he must have driven past me maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes earlier, saw me, knew how tough of a stretch this was because maybe that was his regular delivery route for whatever truck company he worked for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He then continued to drive. And I knew from a fact from that point, it was probably 15 kilometers at least to the last convenience store where he could have bought that stuff to the last supermarket. So he drove that 15 kilometers, purchased the stuff, then drove back to where I was walking to deliver it. So he took that much time out of his work day. Wow. Not free time. He was clearly working. It was the middle of the day to give me that stuff. Um, and those kind of, the Oset tie, the gift giving, you know, it, 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 it changes you. It, wow. it, it, it makes you want to be kind. It makes you want to, I mean, to do that for me. And little did he know, it ended up being probably the most fun day I've had on the pilgrimage. It was just so unbelievably raw and beautiful, that coast um, mm. of Moroto Cape. But at that point, I didn't know that. Yeah, I still kind of myself, I was like, oh, this is going to be a tough stretch of walking. Um, and that particular day as well, I, I can take the story further. I stayed at a guest house that was run by a Japanese woman and her Spanish husband. Okay. Um, the Spanish husband cooked <clears throat> Spanish cuisine for the guest house. So after walking, I think it was over 30 kilometers that day. I was tired. My feet were throbbing. I, um, I had to pay extra for it, but I got served a full paella corset. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, nice. You're, again, you're in a part of Japan where yeah. there's 10 kilometers between vending machines. And in this part of Japan, I'm having a, you know, and oh, it was phenomenal food. And they had just, they just opened the guest house, if I remember correctly, in January. And I think I was the first foreign guest. So the guy was so excited. Not only was I a foreigner, but a somewhat similar situation to him, a foreigner married to a Japanese uh, wife living in a very rural, of course, he, he was living in a much more rural yeah. Um, desolate part. Um, so he gave me like, she told me when she served the food, yeah, he's giving you extra food just so you know, cause he's just so happy to, um, you know, run into, or I guess I ran into him. I was the one yeah. doing the walking, but it yeah. was just uh, an absolutely amazing, um, day. I mean, there's just been so many cool things, the wildlife oh. you see, whether it's the birds or, um, Tanuki, you, you'll see, um, Inoshishi, the wild boar every once in a while. Mm. Um, but just so many moments, um, for example, one thing I've noticed with some of us walking pilgrim and just people in general, they seem to kind of create a hierarchy. Um, the walking pilgrim is kind of at the top because they're doing, um, you know, theirs is much more arduous. There's much okay. more aesthetic training, you know, they kind of, and I think that's malarkey and I, I can <laughs> tell you a story why I think that's a bunch of BS, um, the first, if you start from temple one, which is kind of the traditional way, which is what I did, you can start from anywhere, but if you start from temple one, one kind of, um, notorious day is from temple 11 to, I think it's temple 12. It's one of those days where you're actually hiking. You're on a hiking trail. 
Oh, okay. And it's a roller coaster of a day. You go up to a ridge, you descend back down. You go up to another ridge, you descend back down. You go up once more up a mountain where that temple actually is. And then you have to continue on to your lodging for the day. Uh-huh. So you end up doing about a thousand meters of elevation gain. Um, and who knows how much, you know, when you're descending down. So it's a pretty tough day. It's, it's like a good, it's like a day on the Appalachian Trail. I was going to say, it um, sounds like the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to this temple, uh, Shosan Chi, and the approach is these pretty new, a series of uh, concrete, it looks like. I don't know what they were made of. Stone sculptures, Buddhist sculptures, gorgeous sculptures. And then you get to the temple itself, old buildings. I don't know how old huge um cedar trees like i'm talking massive like probably hundreds of years old beautiful temple grounds you know and i end up spending an hour there before going to my accommodation such a beautiful spot but when i was leaving um there was a husband and wife um and this woman i'm guessing she might have been terminally ill or clearly had some kind of health ailment because even just the short steps from the approach pathway to the next level of the temple grounds, she was wheezing, you know, and it, it was such a struggle for her just to get up those steps. And I'm assuming they, oh, I know for a fact they walked from the parking lot because I saw them drive past me when I was walking to my lodging later. So anyways, she's struggling so much. Now I just did, I don't know how many kilometers, I think it was a 30 kilometer day, a thousand meters elevation gain. Um, but this woman was struggling so much more. It was so much harder for what she was doing compared to what I just did comparatively. Yeah. How, how dare I, as the walking pilgrim, think that I'm doing the harder? I, I'm des- more deserving of mm. the, the, the merit of the, the good karma than this woman who clearly it's so much tougher, the, the little bit of the walk from the car. Um, it, it was really a moment that, that kind of put things um, in perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, it, it's a Buddhist pilgrimage. I don't understand these people who have a hierarchy. Get, you get, know. get arrogant. So, yeah. So, you know, it's Buddhist. Humility is kind of, I mean, so many religions, that's kind of a core concept. Um, but yeah, I just don't get it. Um, but yeah, there's just been so many, um, cool experiences. And the thing is, as I was saying, I'm on a break. I'm not even half done. Yeah. Probably a third done. I think about a week or two, maybe a week and a half after I restart, I'll officially reach, um, the geographical or the mile or the kilometer halfway point. Okay. So, I mean, I, you know, this has been a great conversation so far and we're going to have another one when you're done everything. Um, but I know you've got to go tomorrow. So I'm, I'm just to kind of wrap things up. I'm, I'm just curious. So you're, you're, you're back on the trail tomorrow or you're, you're heading off to the trail tomorrow. Um, so moving forward, um, how much longer are you anticipating it's going to take you to complete the whole 88 temples? I'm guessing I'll probably finish in early to mid June. Okay. Um, again, I'm the type of person, the way I'm approaching the pilgrimage, if there's something interesting, but it's a little bit out of the way, yeah, I'm willing to spend some hours, um, 
going there or if it's a museum and it's that kind of museum i'm willing to spend an hour or two um to do it so that's why i'm kind of taking it at a slower pace and the other thing about it too is traditionally when you get to temple 88 you're not finished okay there's this concept of closing the circle so what many pilgrims do and what i intend to do is you continue walking back to temple one um i think it only adds another day of walking or maybe two um but you basically you return to the place you started um but wait there's more (laughs) there's also another tradition of (laughs) after you've successfully finished the pilgrimage you go to koyasan which is in wakayama Wakayama. that's wakayama yes it's a huge temple complex founded by ah same dude Ah. Yes, and his mausoleum is there. I've, I've so never been there. Of, I've never been to, and I haven't there. either. Yeah. So my hope is, if I successfully complete the pilgrimage, to go with my wife. Um, so from the pilgrimage, because there is a ferry. Because Temple One is in Tokushima City, basically. There's a ferry from Tokushima City to a very uh, to Wakayama, and then I think it's just a short train ride away. So it's a, it, you easily can get there in a day rather than taking a train maybe yeah, up to a major yeah. city. And then, um, so that's my hope um, if I successfully completed to do that. Because um, it would just be really great um, to have my wife come down. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll maybe spend a night in Tokushima, kind of the let's go out, have a nice dinner, and then yeah. maybe a, a night or two in uh, Mount Koya, Koyasan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many things I'm looking forward to just in the week ahead. It is the most, it's the longest stretch to the okay. most remote temple, another Cape <laughs> ah. in Kochi prefecture. But what's interesting about this location, uh, a man, I just have such a fascination with in Japanese history, uh, John Manjiro, he, he goes by many names, but I don't want to talk too long, but basically this guy was a poor fisherman. Okay. Uh, during the 1800s that lived in a fishing village down there. Him and some of his buddies went out to sea to fish. They got in a storm and they had to take refuge on an uninhabited island. Okay. Um, and they were on this island, I don't know, a couple days when an American whaling ship went by and rescued them. The whaling ship, they, now, they then went on to Hawaii. John Mandro, um ended up going all the way back to where the whaling ship was from, my home state of Massachusetts. Oh, wow. Um, learned English, became fluent in English, and ended up, even though the country was still closed, he was somehow able to re-enter Japan because they realized his English skills would probably be useful. And I think it was, you know, maybe five or six years later that Commodore Perry showed up with his um, heavily armed ships and yeah. he played a, a very important role as being kind of the only true English speaker uh, during oh, wow. the Meiji Resort. Yeah, um, just yeah, it's like a I don't know. I don't know that guys. story. That's fantastic. That's, that's oh, yeah, uh, he's got a Wikipedia page. Um, but anyways, his hometown's there. You can visit his birthplace. But of course, there's a museum. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, I, I for that day, I'm setting aside. I don't know how big the museum is. Um, but I'm definitely setting aside an hour or two just in case. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, there's all there's all kinds of little things like that along the way. Well, that's, that's a great a good thing about. 
this pilgrimage. It could be religious. It you you could just visit the temples for the cool architecture and the statues, and maybe do the cultural, the historical things. There's so many aspects um, to yeah. this pilgrimage. Well, and that's the thing. Like, yeah. the, what's really wonderful about the fact that with your current situation is you have the flexibility and the time to be able to to suck up those small moments and to be able to deviate yeah. from the path and go down yeah. to that cape and have birds try to steal your sandwiches or go yeah. to that museum <laughs> um, and and yeah. and to just not have to worry. Like, so many of us have these time constraints and we're like, sure. oh, geez, you know, I've only got like this time and I got to be back on the job yeah. or I got to be back here. Um, so, I mean, I know this for me personally, wanting to walk in different places in Japan, I simply want to just walk. Like, I just want to see Japan walk for the sake of walking. I, 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 want to to, see, I'm, I want to see Japan by foot. I just want to walk, Yeah, you know, and um, it's a great country to walk in. It's yeah. safe. Mm. Um, there's a great infrastructure. I mean, you're usually in almost every part of Japan. I don't know about Hokkaido, but it feels like you're always uh, half a day or at most a full day's walk away from a train station or some kind of rural bus stop that, that could take you back yeah. um, to civilization, if you will, for if you need medical attention or there's some kind of emergency. So it, it really is a, a, a great country to walk in. Cool, you know? yeah. Um, so, uh, so for me, one thing I do want to talk about, I, if I walked with a strict time schedule, yeah. If I walked, it, for me, it would defeat the purpose of doing the walk. Um, that's why I made sure to wait to do this when I had enough time, because that would, it would allow my anxiety, the, those time constraints. And I've got to do this and I got it. My whole point of doing this walk, one of the key things is to lose maybe the anxiety I've built up over the years um, and yeah. kind of frustrations you know and having that time oh god i gotta walk so many miles today because i gotta get to that point and if i don't get to that point it means tomorrow i gotta walk even more because then i i, I don't want that kind of mindset um yeah. i want that freedom of not having to do that mm. so yeah yeah no those those time constraints and deadlines we have in in the modern world really um cause a lot of stress for us and anxiety yeah. um yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where I'm living right now is the school teachers coming up in the end of the school year. Everything's like report yeah. cards and this and that, and Oh my God. Ah, and then the school year ends and you're like, Oh, <laughs> um, so Kevin, I want to plug your social media. Um, just because you do such a great job of sharing these experiences. Thank you. Um, um, you know, probably the most accessible, accessible for people would be your, your Instagram, yeah. Um, because, um, you know, it's, it's not all about the, the whole friending process and allowing, you know, when, like, sure, you know, social media, sure. when they go to your Instagram, they can just follow you. Um, so yeah, mine's a hundred percent public. It's not a <laughs> private account. Yeah, so, so, so what is your Instagram? And I do have it right here. Um, it, it is the green hook, uh, the, like the article in English green, like the color hoof, uh, H O O F the green hook. Nice. Nice. And, um, what, and you, you'll know it's me because you should see a guy with a goofy red beard, um, standing on the Appalachian trail sign on the top of Mount Katahdin. Um, that's how you know it's me, Kevin Tarpey. Nice. Nice. And I think yeah. what I'm going to do, this is probably going to be a two-parter for this, um, podcast. So I'm, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to make sure I, I, I I plug your social media in like both episodes of so that first episode and sure. the second episode, because I want people to follow along, but just so you folks know, 
again, you go to the green hoof. I mean, Kevin will post a, usually a series of just fantastic photos of, of different temples and nature and amazing stuff. And you do always write these great posts about what you've seen and, and where you've been. And often those are like blurbs about the history and things like this. So it's, it's, it's very much like a journal experience with photos. So I, I, that's what I, like. I have to do multiple posts on Instagram. Cause I, type too much and there's a limit a character uh, yes. limit so that's why um and what i did i think when i realized that initially i kind of toned down what i planned to write and okay. then i just realized you know what let's just do two for yeah. this day but i'm looking at like one post from just a few days before you finish your trip and i see a, a beautiful nature trail i see what looks like a pitcher plant i see a land crab i see beautiful yeah. vistas i see you with a giant ice cream cone and then i see <laughs> i see temples so there's quite a, a wonderful variety of of things and um experiences yeah. shared so um for those that they're listening go follow kevin's instagram and you can basically join along on this journey and i know that we're looking at it at my house i'm showing pictures when we sit down at the table and i'm like showing like my wife and the kids different pictures yeah. and we're talking about it and it's making me want to go more and it was something that was kind of it's it's kind of itched the back, the back of my mind before yeah. Again, from seeing those people on Awaji, I should say Akashi, heading towards Awaji Island off on their pilgrimages and wondering, what are these people doing? Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so, um, you know. Well, fuel- that's why I try to type, as my, try to have a narrative, because I know, besides somebody like yourself who might be interested in doing it, I've got friends and family that will never, ever, I mean, whether they physically could not do it or for whatever reasons, financial reasons. Um, so even though I, I will be honest, there's some days it almost feels like a little bit of a burden mm. when I am typing it up and like, what am I doing? This is now the seventh paragraph of this. Um, but when I do get feedback, when people make the comments, um, it, it, that's why it's worth it. Because yeah. I know even if it's that one person that just for the brief, time they're reading it they feel like they're there that day then it's it's worth it it's not really a burden yeah you know absolutely uh it's very cool well kevin thank you for taking the time to sit down with us at the uh, the podcast again um when i say again it's because you know years ago you were on the just japan podcast and um that was it was very cool and and you're you're walking again and um you know, I can't wait to have you back on to talk about things once you completed the whole yeah. 88 and, and a trip to Koyasan. Yes. Yeah. Um, and what's funny before we finish, like I said, I'm hoping my wife can join me. I yeah. think she went when she was really young, but it, it might have been that age where you're not really. So in essence, it will be kind of like her going for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, You know, so that it's always good. When you go somewhere for the first time. Oh, absolutely. Excitement. I mean, how many places did like my, my father, who is a historian, um, you know, how many places growing up as a kid did he, t- you know, he took me to so many amazing historical places in Canada. And I know that he probably explained the significance and the importance to me when I was a young child. And I was like, yeah, okay, dad, um, yeah. I'm bored. And then, um, yeah. you know, now as an adult who has a, his own son who his own son is a, a budding young little historian who wants to follow in grandpa's mm-hmm. footsteps. Um, I'm sure I would love to revisit so many of those places through the lens of an adult who has an appreciation for the bigger picture in life. <laughs> yeah. no, I know. 
and that's why I could I can't imagine if I was doing this pilgrim. I'm 43 now. Um, I couldn't imagine doing it. Maybe if I was 22, I, I probably would have had many of the same interests, but I don't think my focus would probably be a lot different. Well, um, Kevin, all I will say, and I will never go into any details about this, but I, I knew you 20 years ago. You knew me 20 years ago and we had a different perspective on life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's probably the G rated version. We probably would have, we probably would have gone and walked maybe a lot of that, but um, it would have been a different experience. <laughs> there would have been much more nights like the one I described. <laughs> there there the would have been, there would have been many uh, more, there would have been many more hard days walking, being, being, or, being thirstier than we should have been. Or what time does the train leave? Exactly. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Well, good luck on the walk, the rest of thank your you. walk. And thank you for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for for coming on the podcast. I know the listeners are really going to appreciate this as well. Um, so good luck, and we'll catch thank up you. with you when when you finish. Yeah. Yep, sometime in June. Well, a big, big, big thank you to Kevin Tarpey for stopping by the Supernatural Japan podcast for two episodes to talk to us about his adventures, his incredible experiences. You, of course, heard in great detail how you can follow Kevin on his adventures on Instagram. It's He's worth a follow. You definitely want to go over there and, and see what's going on with his journey. And and why do you want to go over there? Because he's back at it again, uh, literally just uh, a couple of days before I uh, uploaded episode number seven, part one of this conversation. He was back on the road walking in Shikoku, finishing up his, uh, starting off the second part of the second leg of his um, pilgrimage. So he's out there right now, feet on the road, feet on the pavement, having more adventures, and he's sharing those all on Instagram at The Green Hoof. So go and follow Kevin over at The Green Hoof on Instagram. And yeah, that really does it for this week's episode of the podcast. I'm going to be entering my last week of work. I am an educator. My school year ends on the 27th of May, and uh, I will have a relatively long summer holiday. And unfortunately, due to travel restrictions where I am, we are going to be staying put. We would love to be in Japan with family this holiday, but it's just not in the cards. Um, Yeah, so that's what's happening with us. So there will be regular episodes coming out through the summer of the Supernatural Japan podcast. Um, Also, uh, again, follow us on Instagram at Supernatural Japan. Come and join the Supernatural Japan Facebook group over at facebook.com slash supernatural japan that's where we are that's where we we be living you can also find me on twitter where i tweet a lot of stuff about this podcast but a lot more about just life in general and education and nature insects bugs spooky things you name it over at mad for maple mad for maple on twitter all right well you know what wherever you listen to this podcast please leave us a fantastic review it really helps please leave us a rating a great rating and help us get noticed on apple Podcasts. you know um Japan is now finally opening up and letting more tourists in. I heard that as of June 1st, 20,000 tourists a day will be allowed to visit. For those of you who can't get there when you would like, um, you know, you're, you're really 
excited to get there. Here are some great Japan content for you. If you have friends who plan on going to Japan, share this podcast with them and get more Japan fan, Japan loving, history loving ears on this podcast. All right, guys. Well, that does it for another episode of the podcast. We'll be back really soon with episode number nine. So wherever you are in the world, I hope you're happy, hope you're healthy, and I hope you're being spooky. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>